Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. For this episode today, I want to talk to you about the Law of Moses. One of the truly defining moments in the history of the Jewish nation occurred at Mount Sinai in the Sinai Peninsula almost exactly two months after they departed Egypt. We could perhaps refer to this as their constitution as a nation, for every nation must have a constitution and law to govern it. The only law of its kind ever revealed from heaven was received by Israel at Mount Sinai. We are told that it contained 613 specific injunctions. 248 were positive commands, 365 were prohibitions. The actual giving of the Law of Moses began in Exodus 20 with the giving of the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. In this episode, I would like to talk about six different reasons. I'm sure there are more, but at least these six for the giving of this law. The first reason for the revelation of the Law of Moses by God was to reveal the glory and the holiness of God himself. What a sight and what an experience it must have been to be at Sinai on the day God spoke from the mountain. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses was recounting the giving of the Ten Commandments and reminding the people of the situation at Sinai when they had received the law. Remember now, this is a new generation of Israelites who had either been children or not there when the law was given. Look with me at verses 22 through 28 of Deuteronomy 5, where Moses, after restating the Decalogue, told the children of Israel the following, These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain from the midst of the fire, of the cloud and of the thick gloom, with a great voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. And it came about when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen today that God speaks with man, yet he lives. Now then, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any longer, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go near and hear all that the Lord our God says. Then speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you, and we will hear and do it. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They have done well in all that they have spoken. Those who had been at Sinai had been terrified by the sights and sounds of that day. 
They kept their distance from the mound and requested that Moses be the mediator between them and God. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 20, we find Moses giving the following explanation of this magnificent and awe-inspiring manifestation of the power and the glory and the holiness of God. The verse says, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you, so that you may not sin. God was testing the people and showing them his glory, instilling in them a healthy reverence and respect in order that they might not sin. In the law itself, God showed his holiness. Another reason for the revealing of the law of Moses is pointed out in Romans 7. In the first part of that chapter, Paul was emphasizing the point that they were no longer under the law of Moses. No one was. In verses 7 and 13, he pointed out one of the purposes of that law. In verse 7, Paul wrote, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would have not known about coveting if the law had not said, Thou shalt not covet. Down in verse 13 we find, Therefore did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather it was sin, in order that it might be shown to be sin by effecting my death through that which is good, that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. As we can see, one of the purposes of the law of Moses was to define and condemn sin. It manifested the sinfulness of man. It identified sin and made it apparent. You see, God's law reflects his moral nature, commending what is good and forbidding what is bad. It is not responsible for man's conduct. Perhaps we could say that it grades man's conduct according to the divine standard. The law did not create the desires. The desires were there. They became evil desires when they sought to override the law. Yet another purpose for the revelation of the law of Moses was to mark Israel as God's chosen people of that time. In Exodus 19, as preparations for the receiving of the law were taking place, we read in verse 5, Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. Consider Psalm 147, verses 19 and 20. He declares his words to Jacob, his statutes and his ordinances to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any nation, and as for his ordinances, they have not known them. Praise the Lord. Israel was blessed by that law in a way that other nations had not been blessed. In Romans 3, in the midst of a discussion about the equal need of and the availability of salvation to both Jew and Gentile under Christ, Paul wrote in verses 1 and 2, then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. God spoke directly to the Jews through the law. That advantage needed no further elaboration. Still another reason for the revelation of the law of Moses was to give Israel a godly standard by which they might continue to inhabit the promised land. This is such an important point that so many people either miss or choose to ignore. Their continued possession of the promised land, once they had arrived there, was predicated upon their continued obedience to the law. Once again, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5, this time beginning with verse 29 and reading through verse 33. 
This is what we find. Oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. Go, say to them, return to your tents. But as for you, stand here by me, that I may speak to you all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I give to them to possess. So you shall observe to do just as the Lord your God commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. If they would prolong their days in the land, they had to obey the law. Once they took possession of the land, Joshua warned them that their continued possession of that land depended upon their continued keeping of the law. He said in Joshua 23, verse 16, When you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods, and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land which he has given you. The law gave the children of Israel a godly standard of conduct that would keep them pure and separate, and God expected them, he demanded of them, that they live by it. A fifth reason for the revelation of the law of Moses that I would like to mention is that the fact that it served in various forms and ceremonies to illustrate the person and work of the Lord Christ. I think of a statement that Paul made in Colossians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17. He said, therefore, let no one act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or of a new moon or of a Sabbath day things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The Hebrew writer made the very same point in Hebrews 10.1, which says, For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices year by year, which they offer continually, make perfect those who draw near. Have you ever thought deeply about the biblical illustration of a shadow as it relates to the law of Moses. You see, a shadow does not exist independently of the object that casts the shadow. A shadow doesn't exist alone. It is a shadow of something. If we look closely at a shadow, we can glimpse certain features and facets of the real thing, but the shadow is not the real thing. We cannot and do not give the same significance to a shadow as we do to the reality that casts the shadow. There is so much in the old law that only finds true meaning in the Lord Jesus who fulfilled it. If we were to continue on in Hebrews 10, we would find that all of those offerings for sin done year after year on the Day of Atonement truly shadowed and looked forward to the one sacrifice for all time by the Lord. That brings us now to the sixth reason for the revelation of the law of Moses. It was given to prepare Israel for the coming of the Messiah, for the coming of the promised seed. With the coming of the seed and his completed work, the purpose of the law had been fulfilled. Look with me at Galatians chapter 3 if you're following along in your Bibles, and looking at verses 19 through 28, which is a rather lengthy reading, but one that sure shows us a lot about the law and its purposes. The passage says, Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions. 
having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. Now, a mediator is not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up all men under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be justified or revealed. Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. For almost 1,500 years the law of Moses was in effect for the children of Israel. They certainly did not always abide by it, and at times seemed to abandon it altogether. But it served every purpose for which it was revealed, for which it had been given. In the work and person of Jesus the law was fulfilled. And as we saw in Galatians chapter 3, we are no longer under a tutor. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14 tells us, He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews 10:9, He takes the first away in order to establish the second. All of these passages teaching us that the law of Moses has been fulfilled, taken away, and that no one is under it today, be they Jew or be they Gentile. But it is so important to study it because we cannot truly understand the new without a knowledge of and an appreciation for the old. And indeed, those who study the law of Moses will never fully understand and appreciate it until they recognize that it has been fulfilled in Christ. Let's close this episode with the beautiful prophecy of Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. There, through the prophet Jeremiah, Jehovah said, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. That beautiful prophecy was fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ as he fulfilled the law of Moses. Thanks for listening.